coming up next. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. The little seagulls are a nice touch. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Booketing. My name is Nathan Alberson. I could not be more excited to be here today. Why am I excited, you ask? Because we are talking about an author that I love and a book that I love. A book that I might even rank decently high among the author's works. But I don't know. Maybe I think it's crap. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. My name is Nathan Alberson. I'm your podcasting friend. I'm in your ears. Every every week, every morning, every morning, whether you want it, every or not. evening, whether you want it or not, every day I think of you. Yeah, and Nathan, the way you love, you can't talk, you can't make me talk about nothing. Why not? Uh, you just can't. I know I can't, but will you? I don't know. We'll see. We're friends, and you've. I might just to decide today to just not say a word. Why not? I don't know. Brandon, are you hurt because we've played that clip of? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, this clip. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. No, why would I be offended by that? I mean, it's pretty insulting to you. <laughs> it's not talking about me. It's talking about a guy named Brandon, and he's saying that yeah. he, that guy is equivalent with frailty. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's from the perspective of the villain, so, I mean, technically, frailty, thy name is Brandon, is ironic. So it's, you know, it's a villain that Jane Austen had a lot of sympathy for, though, yeah. actually. One of her more well-rounded, three-dimensional. Colonel Brandon, definitely one of her more well-rounded, three-dimensional heroes brandon was his last name frailty thy name is brandon i didn't say frailty thy name is colonel brandon that's right this is yeah all brandons in general are just frail well we should say that's actually a video of me and jake having a conversation (laughs) yeah that's what they say when i'm not here (laughs) and and we say it just like that right jake talks like that and i turn into a bunch of seagulls actually (laughs) (laughs) you're professor seagull ready ready? we're ready to do it right now frailty thy name is brandon you that? the crunch did, at the end. Did you hear him? That, that was me biting this apple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are always eating apples. Always. It's really hard to feed apples to a plasma jar, though. Yeah. Jake is like a Brad Pitt. He's the Brad Pitt of plasma jar. You know, Brad <laughs> Pitt's like, if I'm eating, then I'm a relatable guy in a movie, so I'm always eating something. It's like his thing. <laughs> yeah. Has it helped you, Nathan? What? To always be eating. <laughs> <laughs> my hat is off to you, Brandon. <laughs> Wouldn't fit on my my fat head. You talk about a well-rounded character. <laughs> that would be Brandon. <laughs> Frailty, thy name is Brandon. <laughs> and we're off. Let's talk about sense and sensibility. Have we even introduced ourselves? My name is Nathan, humble and obedient host. That's Brandon. He's a scholar who's a baller of reading. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. I love it. Caw, caw, caw. That's Jake. Hey, what's He's up? the pastor who's a master of reading. <clears throat> and pressing the play button on this awesome clip. <laughs> and pressing the play button on this awesome clip. Our show has finally become a morning radio show. <laughs> we are what we've always been accused of being. We are Bob and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> we need the air horn and everything. It's Nathan the Seagull Alberson. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, caw, caw. <laughs> All right, guys, Sense and Sensibility. Let's talk about it. What did you like? What did you not like? What did you hate? What did you think was good? We have to start, we have to deal with the- uh, Oh, right. We left on a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> what was the cliffhanger again? Marion. Marianne. Marianne the librarian. What about, what about Marianne though? I forget. It was- Why she well, why is sympathetic. Why sympathetic to Marianne. Yeah, I was just saying, it's interesting who Jane Austen decides to have compassion. Yeah. Sometimes it feels, you could argue, maybe just a little- Arbitrary? Arbitrary. Well, well no, I think that Austen, and I think that this would be- something we could probably trace over multiple books. Just like I think Colonel Brandon really believes that a, a woman, a young woman, especially an imp- impressionable young woman who's, you know, Eleanor starts this novel out at like 19 years old. And how old is Marianne? Like 16? She's 16, yeah. Yeah, so she's 16. I think she might be 17 by the end. Yeah, but so, so she's a 16, 17-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think Austin really, you know, you see her, you know, play the game of, people find their match and they get what they deserve. But they also, there's a certain kind of woman in her novels that 
really depends a lot on the guy that she ends up with. Right. If a good man takes interest in her, then she ends up in a good place. Mm-hmm. And if she ends up, you know, falling in with a bad dude, she ends up in a bad place. And Marianne is the her very first attempt to show that. And she yeah. gets more sophisticated in how she does it later on. But I think she gets a big kick out of the idea of a young woman who doesn't know what she wants, who, I mean, we, we saw the same thing with Emma is, is obviously the quintessential example in her, in her oeuvre. Yeah, exa- exactly. If Knightley does not come up to her and say, badly done, right? Emma could end up a spinster. Emma could end up just a witch. She could end up Lady Catherine, actually. She could end up I mean, Lady Catherine. She could, up, she could go all of these terrible places, but Knightley was there, and Knightley did say, badly done. Mm-hmm. Well- if Marianne doesn't get jolted by Willoughby, but get runs off with him, gets married to Willoughby, is allowed with Willoughby to indulge her sensibilities, mm-hmm. who knows where Marianne ends up actually as a person in terms of her development and her maturity, but she learns a hard lesson. She goes through some stuff. She gets sick. She almost she dies. She almost dies. Yeah. Like, and then she tells Eleanor, like, it would have been self-harm. I think that's actually the phrase, like, I, I would have killed myself. Basically, if I'd, I, yeah. I came this close to committing suicide by accident yeah, because I'm so stupid. Yeah. And I think that Austin has a view of the world, which is accurate, that there are all kinds of people out there. And it really depends as much as anything on the mercy of God and his providence in the ways that he disciplines people, you know, how they how they turn out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, Marianne had to receive the lessons and respond to them in a good way. But some people don't get the lessons that Marianne got. Well, it feels pretty actually realistic to me because Willoughby jilts her. She realizes what's happened and she really doesn't, she still doesn't learn the lesson. Well, she doesn't want to believe it. She wants to keep justifying Willoughby, right? Right. Yeah. And and then she's going Mm. to just be depressed about it. And then she actually has to get, if if you want to talk about God, like she, she has to get disciplined a bunch like it actually she has to almost die it takes a lot it takes it to the point of her deathbed where she's laying there on her deathbed and and she finally has is forced to shut up and have time to think about what she's done and how it's affected her family yeah and then she's able to look up and see that hey this guy has been there this whole time Mm -hmm. and he's actually really great (laughs) like and i've been this condescending proud idiot like what i called him fragile or frail mm-hmm. <laughs> you know an old man 35 right. or whatever he was or i don't, I don't remember 36 i think yeah <clears throat> old yeah Ugh, 36 ancient yeah. man at death's door who clearly has no capacity for love wears flannel jackets yeah. or whatever it is that's a nice touch probably has cold hands and feet and is always worried about a heart attack yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> hey <laughs> oh and then i like Marianne repents, but she still does it in a, she, I, I related so much to what she does next, where she's like, I'm going to start a regimen of 12 hours a day. I'm only yeah. going to ever be into music and reading, and I'm going to read six books. And by the, the end of the year, like, that's exactly what I tend to do in those situations. Like, I know God's disciplined me, so now I'm going to solve everything, and I'm going to be just as I'm going to read my Bible every morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be yeah. just as exuberantly, foolishly extravagant in my repentance as i was in my foolishness because it turns out i'm actually pretty mature and i'm sure everyone's smiling around me like uh you're not actually gonna do half of that you'll probably just fall in love with some dude um well (laughs) (laughs) i'm talking about marianne now that is is what we're always thinking about you you get the metaphor (laughs) (laughs) but it's sweet it's actually one of the places where jane austen i think has some some really sweet compassion like she she's able to laugh at marianne's attempts but also feel for them and i don't know i i like the character of marianne actually i thought she was probably the most successful element of this novel it's all something that's done better in emma i would say emma's the pinnacle of of this of the marianne type well emma's problem isn't necessarily sensibility but the Although it, maybe it is in some ways, but in some ways, but she's not really the sensibility or the sensibility she, character. Yeah, she does have a romantic view of the world that needs she needs to be disabused of. Yeah. Right. In terms of the Jane Austen heroines <clears throat> who really need to be hardcore disciplined, I'd say Emma's well, the. It's the really interesting about Marianne yeah, too. I mean, I mean, our, our listeners might remember, like 
I had a really hard time with the first half of Emma just because I couldn't stand her. Right. I didn't want to live in the same novel as Emma for as long as I had to. Right. And Austin had a lot of fun with that. I wasn't having fun with it. It'll be, I think that's the one I'm actually looking the most forward to rereading. To going back to, me too. Because I think it'll be different. You think it'll be different in a good way? It'll yeah. be different for me. I mean, I had already read it, so I knew where I was going, but I think I think it'll be especially interesting to watch how Jake processes it. I was this time. completely I've been completely fresh to each one of these novels. Right. Yeah. Um, no context. Oh, I should say this was actually this is the only one that I hadn't read. This was my first time reading Sentences oh, was it? by the way, for what that's worth baggage-wise. Uh, but I'd seen the Ang Lee movie, which is fairly faithful, I think. Yeah, it's pretty faithful. Yeah, it does strokes. more work setting things up at the beginning. Gives a little extra Hugh Grant. Gives uh, you more Hugh Grant cuteness with uh with uh, Emma Thompson. Not just with Emma Thompson, but also with uh the little girl. Margaret? Margaret, the one that we always forget. Right. Exists. Yes. Which is, I don't necessarily need Hugh Grant cuteness, although I like Hugh Grant, but I don't mind them beefing up Edward Ferrer's a little bit. Can we say Jane Austen got better at men? Yes, I absolutely felt that. I don't want to lose the train of thought if we were had more things to say about uh, Marianne, but... No, I... Um, I felt like... It's something that we talked about, too. I these think are the most formative, uh, or not formative, um, em- embryonic... Rudimentary. Rudimentary. Men. Men characters. Like Brandon yeah. and Edward, there's not really much to them. Darcy, there's going to be a lot more. And then Knightley, I think, is just such a boss. Like, Knightley's the yeah. pinnacle of literary manhood, basically. But it's it's like you said earlier today, Jake, that it's like she's refining her idea of what she wants yeah, in a guy. Yeah, she's got a type, and we've said this before, and you see it in every Austin novel. She has a type. Shy, a sardonic, kind of, a little gruff, doesn't present that well, but it can yeah, be witty Al- and awesome. Alan Rickman is the perfect casting for every one of her Yeah, he could have played, guys. young him could have played Darcy. Actually, it's funny that he ended up with Brandon because almost all of her other heroes would be Better, better fits, yeah, but, because they have more complexity to them. Right. It's, Brandon actually is kind of just a straight arrow, but... She likes that sort of guy who presents as dark and brooding and quiet and shy, and you don't really... But he's a man of action. But a man of action, a man of character, a man of integrity, and a man of principle. And when he has decided that he loves someone, he keeps his promise, and he does everything in his power to help that person. Right. Almost an altruistic kind of way. Like it does not matter if my love is returned. I'm just gonna. I will. Do, I will yeah. do good to this person and her family, and she will be the recipient, the beneficiary of my kindness, mm-hmm. whether she receives, reciprocate, reciprocates, or returns my love or not. Whether she wants idea. it or not. Whether she deserves it or not. Whether she deserves it or not. And that's that's her idea of her dream guy. And hey, it's a pretty nice idea. You, you, you see, you see both sides of that. Both in Brandon and in Edward, mm-hmm. you know, Edward being the principled man, he made a mistake early on. He's going to do the right thing. He's going to suffer yeah. the loss of his whole livelihood out of a principle of staying true to his word. She loves that. And then, you know, Colonel Brandon, a guy in a high position who's just going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, that was a really noble thing you did. I'm going to take care of you. I'm just going to sort of quietly love this woman whether or not she ever returns my love, matures, I believe in her. I believe that she can be something. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to protect her and I'm going to look out for her. Always contrasted with the dude who's all talk and wit and all flash. Talk, and, super charming, super, yeah, flashy. There. Which Willoughby's a little less embryonic. He is basically the Austin oh, villain fully exactly formed. She knows exactly who the villain is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she knows who that, that villain is. But that guy... He gets, he does get more well-rounded, more developed. Well, it's interesting, actually, though. I think in some ways he becomes, you know, you could argue that more he becomes, heroic. well, the bad guy becomes more two-dimensional in some, like Wickham is actually yeah, pretty a less flesh, yeah. like Wickham is just there. Wickham is like Michael Myers. He is just there to pick off the ladies and that is his character trait. And he has the attributes that he needs to accomplish this. There's nothing sympathetic about him or human about him that i remember maybe there's more to him if we go back well he's he he, <clears throat> he does stick with lydia yeah and he has a genuine he doesn't leave lydia they run off together and it's it's less like he's picked lydia off and is going to leave her and more like they ran off and now he's stuck with her because he does have enough he does have enough of a sense of honor mm-hmm. that although he ran off with her he can be bought <laughs> right he <laughs> to, can to, he can be bought to Bought back to honor by 
Darcy. By, by Darcy yeah. and, you know, live under that, I don't know. That I think that in and of itself is color. That, and, that is and, true. And three-dimensionality that... And he has enough sense to have a good connection with Elizabeth, which oftentimes these bad guys do. They're like... Yeah. They're the ones that are actually capable of entering into the intellectual and emotional complexity of the heroine. Like, they, they get yeah. it. They understand people. He, he got Elizabeth. Willoughby... Eleanor never really bought into Willoughby. No. I, she did, but then the way that he left. There's just no overcoming that. Yeah, Eleanor was not a fan. Well, I would say, how would you guys rank Eleanor? I think she's a little bit wish fulfillmenty. I mean, this is on gradations of awesomeness. I love all of Austin. I'm not complaining about it, but I would say, again, things kind of get more interesting and complex in the later novels. Like, Eleanor really just does always... Until you get to Anne... Is it Anne? Anne the one from Mansfield Park? No. Fanny is Mansfield Park. Yeah. Anne is Persuasion. Persuasion, yeah. yeah. I don't remember if her name's is, actually is Anne, it, but- I don't know either, but Persuasion. Her name might be Jane. Jane. No. no, it's not Jane. It's not Jane. I think it's Anne. I think you're right. I'm pretty sure. Is it Anne? I'm not- <clears throat> I, would, I can check it up. The, yeah, the the heroine of of Persuasion and the heroine of and Eleanor are, are the two, like, I was born on third base- Understanding all of these things, I just get it, and everyone around me is an and Elliot, yeah, and yeah. Elliot, yeah, yeah, and you know the only real difference is that Eleanor gets what she wants early, and Anne has to wait for it. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm just trying to think here. Elizabeth Bennett obviously has <clears throat> needs to be cured of her prejudice. pride and prejudice. It's so Darcy's pride; she's prejudiced, she's right? Prejudiced, yeah, yeah. You could argue either one. You, and then obviously Emma has a lot to learn and repent of and be disciplined for. And then Fanny is interesting. I mean, Fanny. She's the closest thing to Dickens. Yeah, but I think she's down to earth and real enough and has some things, you know, I, I can't even remember them off the top of my head, but I feel like Fanny's pretty three-dimensional and not yeah, not too wish fulfillment. I mean, for one thing, she does actually border on insipid in a way that Austin, Austin actually doesn't like. usually doesn't approve of. Like Austin yeah. doesn't just like moralistic <laughs> boring people for lack of a better word i did like eleanor in this i mean i liked eleanor too eleanor is a good creation but i'm glad that austin didn't make every one of her heroes eleanor be that perfect brandon your thoughts i think it's interesting that i mean you can see this is a a first novel yeah so some of the portraits in here are a little bit more watercolorish it's interesting that willoughby is one of the most uh, well-rounded figures in the book I think Marianne is obviously her response to some of the romanticism that was happening that in those days. Like Marianne would have been the type that would run off to Lake Geneva. There was actually a thing, a phrase, the cult of sensibility. Wasn't yeah. there? Wasn't that like a, a thing? Yeah. At the time, no. But it would have been the sort of thing that you know you give yourself to the arts and to emotion and to higher feelings and yeah, a lot of foolishness with love and young people. Relates completely to just whether or not they share your interests, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not, not, not as to whether or not they're good for you. And a lot of the best marriages I've seen have nothing to do with whether or not the people are interested in the same thing. Oh, yeah. But then that's how Willoughby and Marianne, are, are, they become infatuated with one another. Yeah. So this book's a lot. It's about the difference between infatuation and an actual love. Mm-hmm. And what they those finish two things, each other's sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. It's frozen. Frozen was just stealing from this book. Well, I, what I keep thinking of, actually, me and Jake just did a Sanity at the Movies on The the Little Mermaid. Yeah. And it's just like, if you ever thought that Marianne was a caricature or that the poison of sensibility of this type of uh, thinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a movie made 30 years ago now, which is fun. This kind of thinking is not only prevalent among the youth. There aren't only many young ladies that are like Marianne, but it's preached to people that's how you're supposed to be you're supposed to believe in true love follow your heart follow your heart i mean that is like the whole disney philosophy that we like to make fun of but i think people i mean i remember when i was a kid i had to have a moment where i realized that that following my heart would not necessarily result in good things because i'd been so thoroughly and you know propagandized by movies that said follow your heart that i i actually had to like do the mental calculations at some point in my life to realize oh my heart's bad if i follow my heart it might not a good thing it might not go well for me huh i wonder why all these movies and pbs shows and cartoons and saturday morning cartoons and everything say i have to follow my heart weird can i talk about something completely different please 
one of the greatest points of maturation of Austin as a writer, in my opinion, is that she doesn't try in her later books, beginning with the very next one, to take a big scatter gun and hit 5,000 targets mm-hmm. and all the people that she hates in the world. What I mean <laughs> by that is I can't even remember the number of little side characters in this book that are like, oh, this person's stupid. Oh, this person, it's Mrs. Jennings and it's Mrs. Who and Mrs. What, Mrs. Witch and Mrs. Mm-hmm. What's It and, you know, sisters here and whoever, everywhere else. And she's trying to hit like all of these types and all these things. And it's just, this is a scattergun approach. Well, I think. Some and then what- she, you come back to later novels and she, she actually just picks. She one picks, or two, well, I, maybe three, mm-hmm. and she hits them really hard, and you and and gives you real handles, like you could remember what a Mrs. Bennett is, or what a Lady Catherine right. is, or what a Mrs. Norris, Mrs. Norris, Mrs. Norris. I think a lot of what she does is becomes better at plotting and structure. I mean, that's maybe a simple answer to what you're saying, but I think it does help because it makes those portraits sting and have consequences for the plot and for the characters in a way that drives them home you know like the fact that lady catherine is lady catherine makes a big difference to elizabeth bennett the fact that mrs bennett is mrs bennett makes a big difference and then you have two or three supporting idiots like what's her face the sister mary who's just there to because jane austen hated that person (laughs) (laughs) you guys remember this quote from this book you know there's a as the poet said you know it's like mary doesn't really add anything besides somebody that Jane Austen just like this person sucks and I hate them and you should too. <laughs> and she's right by the way. <laughs> but a lot of the characters in here are just less tied to what happens. It's just like Lady Jennings was there and she did stuff and it was fine. I like the Dashwoods. I mean I don't like the Dashwoods, but I think the Dashwoods are smart. Well, they're strong out of the gate. Strong. Yeah, they get that first chapter, which is uh, a great set piece. <clears throat> I remember uh, before I started this book, while I was still reading Tolstoy, Amanda was bored one day and picked up Sense and Sensibility and just was laughing out loud mm-hmm. in the first chapter. And yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah, that's a it's a great first chapter. It yeah, is. They're fun. I mean, it's a good to me. That's like that's like your Indiana Jones running from the boulder or something. It's just like it's fun that Jane Austen actually starts with a Jane Austen set piece and she pulls it off and it's a really great Jane Austen set piece. Like the first out of the gate. It's like, this is the kind of thing I can do, and here's a that's good example of it. kind of what marked her. That's what Hurley's novels did, right? Pride and Prejudice did the same thing. Yeah. With the conversation between the Bennets. Mm-hmm. Well, these these two, I think there's a reason that these two novels are arguably her most popular, and, and I think both of them are more fun out of the gate than anything else. All Her other four novels all take a little while to get going, mm-hmm. where Sense and Sensibility is pretty funny and brutal and incisive immediately. And then Pride and Prejudice is just like awesome because you've got Mr. and Mrs. Bennett sparring with each other and saying all, all kinds of classic lines just in the first chapter. Um, Emma yeah, that book really is in the sweet spot. Pride and Prejudice is... It is. I mean, for me, I want to be a little bit of a snob and say like, you can't just like the hit. If you're going to like Britney Spears, you can't just like Baby One More Time. You have to like her oeuvre. Yeah, I was thinking Britney Spears. Yeah, those are, what a great metaphor. Was, yeah. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact yeah. that poll and the fact that she and I perfectly Austen, drove my point but, home. with Most people would have picked the Beatles. And, uh, you know, yeah. The Beatles were obviously my first thought, but I mean, back in the 10 years ago, it would have been. If you're going to like Hey Jude, you better like Revolver. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then I thought, what do people actually think is the classic Beatles. I would argue Sergeant Pepper. It's too complicated of a metaphor. Then I thought, who do people other? actually think Jane Austen looked like? 15 years ago, it would have been, if you're going to like Johnny Depp, you can't just like Jack Sparrow. You, you got to like Gilbert Grape. You got to like Gilbert Grape. You got to know what's eating him. You got to like Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood. Hopefully you've seen Ed Wood. I mean, if you're not a true Johnny Depp, you don't deserve Jack Sparrow. If you, I do have a little bit of that feeling like, Come on, there's lots of gold in these hills. Let's not just concentrate on Pride and Prejudice. But having said that, if I can drop my snobbery for a second, Pride and Prejudice is like the one that everybody likes for a reason. Yep. It's got a plot. <laughs> Basically, yeah. that's the reason. Yeah. It's got dramatic tension throughout. It's got, it's great really characters. It's really funny. It's really, the characterization is as strong as you could. Well, and you're allowed to feel like 
what sticks with me about that novel is the painfulness of Mrs. Bennett and some yeah. of those embarrassing scenes. Yep. There's nothing like that. And I think Emma has some stuff like, I think actually Emma's the other one that I really like the best. Maybe those two. Uh, it'll be interesting to go back to Emma. I think Emma, I relate to Emma and I relate to her discipline and I appreciate nightly. And that's the one that I like the best, but we haven't really ever ran out of things to say about a Jane Austen novel, but this f- feels like a first work. Yeah. It's a little bit light, isn't it? Or Yeah. Something. Yeah, I really wish that it's, we had done this earlier because we've been so many places with with Austen to really come back to her what truly does feel like her least mature work. Right. It almost feels a little bit and I should have said this on baggage check. But to come to one of her least mature works after we immediately after hitting Tolstoy's masterpiece didn't do any favors. It didn't do her any favors. And it's really unfortunate. It is because this is still fantastic. It's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend people read it. It's a great book and people should read it. And I've had any number of people tell me that this is their either their favorite Austin novel or the only Austin novel they actually like. Yeah. That's interesting. First novels by authors are generally going to be. You're going to see what they will become. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, it feels like a watercolor. Yeah. And so the things that will become more complex and rich in later novels are nascent here. Mm-hmm. They're still developing, which can make them easier to digest. And you don't have to like spend time chewing on them as much. Right. right. Like you feel like you have to chew on persuasion. Or Mansfield Park, certainly. Yeah, is Mansfield like a Park, full meal. really. Yeah. But here it's just... It's airy, it's light. There's a sense of, it's closer to the, sort of the Agatha Christie, just here's the story, here's It moves what's quickly. It's got a lot of jokes, which some yeah. of the later ones don't have. It's I mean, breezy it, and easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I mean, does that I, make sense I, what I'm I saying? I agree. I mean, I think that I, I can see a good argument for why people like this better than some of the I'm trying to put it in such a way ones. where it doesn't just say, it sounds like I'm saying, well, those people just like easy stuff, you know, and they're not ready for the... No, I think this this novel has a charm that something like Mansfield Park doesn't have. This novel reads quickly. Yeah. And it's got a lot of humor to it. And so when I was also, and I didn't mention a lot of this in context, but when I was getting ready for that, I I read some old reviews too. Mm -hmm. And when it first came out, people talked, they complimented the prose style and the engaging voice that she had, like we talked about last episode. But another thing they really talked about is they liked the divide between sense and sensibility and how this book was showing the mature sister and how this one of sensibility had to then mature and grow into sense like her sister mm-hmm. and that they appreciated that this is a more of this is more of a moral it's almost this, like a this, fable or something yeah this story this this jane austen more than any of the others has a sense that there is one character who's good that the other one has to mature into right while in in pride and prejudice it's a little different jane is more of that figure but she's not the main character right and that one, it's the character that we're supposed to admire that is less mature at the beginning. Right. And it's also the case with Emma, the case with many of these works. Mansfield Park. Mansfield Park is just an outlier. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. But it is true. It is that she shifted perspectives mm-hmm. from Jane to Elizabeth. And it just is, is a shift from Eleanor to Marianne. Yeah. Right. And then with Emma, we're going to actually just write a novel about. Marianne completely from her perspective without with, with kind of the moral figure but the moral figure in that I think her name's Jane Fairfax is that her she's off to the side and Emma hates her and so and we're not sure that we don't yeah, actually hear from her she's that a strange much. figure in that book yeah so and she herself has some weirdness to her as far as a character she's not perfect right and so I I do think it's a sort of simplicity of characterization even that actually works in this novel's favor for some people. Yeah, it works in this novel's favor, but still it's the idea that there can be the one perfect sibling that the other has to then work to mature towards. Mm-hmm. And that's this idea it's an idea of a story that has that lesson involved that's right. that makes it appealing to to people. If you put it in context too, if, if if the world was moving towards being more Marianne-ish, this novel must have seemed that much sharper and more awesome and brutal and incisive. And to be honest, I mean, I can think of multiple people that I would give this novel to over Pride and Prejudice simply because it would be healthy for them to see their Mary, to see themselves in Marianne. Right. The moral content of the divide between sense and sensibility is 
a great lesson. And this novel helps you see it. Yeah. Well, I think that the person I was specifically referring to earlier, I think what it amounts to for them is just that to them, every other Austin novel, first of all, they don't, everything feels just like stuffy ballrooms, which they hate. And every Austin novel just feels like a riff on Sense and Sensibility, a different take on it, a different nuance, a different way of trying to bring complexity to the same story. And why would you do that? Why not just keep reading Sense and Sensibility? She did it once. That's all she actually needed to do. That was the feeling that they had. And that, I mean, I think that person is, you know, definitely of a, of a type and that type is, I got the lessons. Mm-hmm. What else do I need? <laughs> I can understand that. I actually had multiple people respond to War and Peace that way. People who had read Anna Karenina with us and they're like, okay, I got it. I think they're missing out, hmm. but I do get it. Like War and Peace is pretty big. Why, and why do it again? I don't agree with that. You know, I'm not, I don't want to give too much credence to that point of view. And yet I do. Well, I don't want to be completely condescending to that. Have we but world I enough get in time? And I understand that mentality. Yeah. I mean, I support I don't, people I, being, uh, man was not made for books. Books were made for man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? And God puts people in different positions where. If you have to be careful about how you spend your time exactly, and you're only going to read one or two novels a year, then pick the ones that are most useful to that's you. That's what I was trying to find a way to say people should be there there's a certain kind of utilitarian approach that you actually should have yeah and that's what and that's what drives me crazy about certain educational systems and that they think that it's they're virtuous and convincing every child that every child has to spend the rest of their life reading like 20 books a year and that's like that's what makes your life valuable it's like no that's this the psalms but the bible never tells you that your life is valuable if you read this many Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and know this much Homer and can quote this much poetry. It's if you give your life to serving the church. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a valuable life. And if you then find time to read great novels, great. If you find time to read novels that improve you and improve your ability yeah. to love your family and love your, your church. Exactly, yeah. Then great. And insofar as they are there in service, both of your rest recreation and and your personal growth as you love god love his people and love your family then great the second they're in the way of that guess what yeah they're see, in the way and that's i'm just so i love it that we get the opportunity to do this podcast i love it that i get the opportunity to teach some mm-hmm. of my students actually listen now so right. i gotta be very careful about what i say about them yeah hi students hey more wonderful <laughs> i did not say that <laughs> Hey, morons. He only thought it. My name is Brandon. I hate you all. <laughs> well, Brandon, why are you saying that? I don't know, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like somebody was saying it for me. And why did you feel the the need this far in the podcast to identify yourself by your name? That was kind of weird to do a name check. 40 well, minutes that in, was whatever. strange. Sometimes yeah. I'm weird. <laughs> and why are you talking like Fat Albert? I don't know, Nathan. Fat part fits, I guess. <laughs> oh, Brandon, you're thin. <laughs> oh, Nathan, you don't have to cover for me. I. I know I'm a tub of lard. Brandon, tub of lard? Really? Dude, come on. Our podcast has moved past that. Oh, are you through now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Brandon. Are you through? Yeah, okay. All right. I what? forget what I was going to say now. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What was I going to say? Uh, oh, I yeah. love it that we have this opportunity, but what, and this is what I think certain educational movements tend to do, is they inevitably because of the way they look at the world, because of how much stock they put in certain books, make literature into an idol. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I love it that God gave me the love for literature he did, and that then he gave me the opportunity to pursue that. And it's useful, I hope, to people. Does that mean that I think that everybody then needs to go out and read as many novels as I do? Like that that's going to make you you have the life well lived? No. Read as many as- Is that scandalous to say? No, I don't think so. Read, nope. read what you need. Yeah. Who is, the, who, who, what guy is it that wrote the how to read or is that the book where he just says, tear your book up, underline it, yeah. do whatever you need to make it useful to you. That guy. 
uh, oh, How to Read a name? Book by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Ma- his name starts with an M. <laughs> no, that's the name that popped into my head too. Yeah, because his name starts with an M. And it is because it starts with an M. It's like Morgan Lefay, Morgana Lefay, Mugridge. Mugridge. It was Morgana Lefay. That's definitely it. Yeah. What is that? Freddie Kilking Arthur. Wait, wait, wait. Adler, Mortimer, Mor- Adler. Mortimer, Mortimer. Adler. I knew it started with an M. Yep, Morgana, Morgana Place. Yeah, that, that, that that was one of the most important liberating books that I ever read. For that exact reason, it's just like, hey, you know what? This is not a the artifact here is not the thing. Right. This is only as good as it is as you're able, insofar as you're able to interact with it, engage with it, and yeah, tear yeah. it apart, dog ear it. Mark it up. Ask your questions. Argue with the author. It's one of the reasons like, I often actually prefer crappy paperbacks because I feel I have a right to use and abuse pieces. it in a way. Now, of course, that's not what we send to our listeners. Uh, for if you sign up Patreon.com, we no, I send nice copies. We send nice copies for and you I, to use and abuse. And I believe in nice copies, but I also believe in using a book and getting what you can out of it, and then discarding it. I believe in starting a book. Realizing you don't like it and not feeling the need to finish it out of some devotion to the idea some kind of, of idealistic completionism. Right. Yeah, or letting people guilt you into thinking that some trash book is worth your time. Some trash book is worth your time or that you should feel guilty because you have a career that doesn't allow you to read Dante's Inferno. Yeah. And like your human flourishing depends upon it. Yeah. You'll get by without the sorrows of young Werther yeah. or whatever. No, that guy's does name that is. mean that I don't agree that like education for high schoolers should include those things so that you teach time, AP literature? Yeah, by the time that students get to, I mean, in an ideal world, by the time every student, whether you go off to college or go in to be a plumber, it'd be great if every student had read the Confessions and Dante's Inferno and had and a Pride teacher and, actually, and yeah, and had teachers read these with them. Right? That'd be wonderful. That that'd be fantastic. But does that then mean that they have to continue after that to read those the same amount of literature and have that life to have a human flourishing? No. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Hobby Horses, people. And um, we, we... We have them. We have them, yeah. And we come back to them. We have them. But I really think if I can take... If I want... I mean, like, the two lessons of the booking are literature great is great and... Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Yeah. And frailty, thy name is Brandon. There they are. There they are. I think Socrates said both of those things. Pretty I mean, sure he did, yeah. I right make there. an appearance in <laughs> yeah. the Socratic dialogues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am as old as time, by the right. way. Brennan is actually as old as time. I am Tom Bombadil. He is Tom Bombadil. <laughs> oh, boy. I can't wait to talk about that in a couple weeks. Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadillo. My boots are yellow. All right, guys. I have some discussion questions from jasna.org. Okay. The Jane Austen Society of North America. I had no idea what that was. Okay, Jasna. Brandon, come on. You're always on jasna.org. Oh, yeah. That's all I use for my classes. (laughs) Jasna.org. All right. In this novel, Austen parodies the 18th century cult of sensibility, which valued strong emotions over reason and intellect. Consider the significance of the novel's title. How are the qualities of sense and sensibility represented in the main characters? Well, you know Uh, what? <laughs> Eleanor represents sense. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> go on. <laughs> and Marianne <laughs> represents sensibility. Wait, wait. wait, is that what you're really? Take it. That's my contention. Are All right. you sure? This limb might break, my friend. You are walking out. <laughs> All right, let me ask question number two. Discuss the entitlement of Norland, the Dashwood estate. Could the Dashwood sisters' father have done more to provide for the future of his wife and daughters? No, he died no, after a year. He died. He he <laughs> was just legally <laughs> he was legally bound to hand the his estate over to his son. He bound his son to an oath to take care of. The only thing he could have done more was bind them bind his son to a specific oath, which he didn't do. So he failed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So okay, the answer is yes. He could have bound his son to some specif- specificity, right? And said, "You'll you will give them three thousand a year." Your wife promise is... me right now, or something like that. Right. Question number three. Yeah. How does John Dashwood fill the promise to his father to quote unquote take care of his half sisters and stepmother? Mother. How is he influenced? Well, his uh, wife his influences wife, him, Fanny. and he takes care of them by helping their character by not giving them anything. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get to some good questions. Who is the heroine of the novel? 
Is Eleanor oh too? Goodness. I don't know. Okay, this is a good question. Is Eleanor too good to be true? Too perfect? Is Marion too flawed to be the heroine? Is that a good question? <laughs> Haven't we talked about this? Yeah, I think Marion. I think Eleanor actually is a little bit too good. I think I think Marianne's a great character. I really like her. I sympathize with her. I think she's obnoxious and hilariously stupid in the places where she needs to be. But and, by the end, she grows and matures into the kind of woman who marries Colonel Brandon. And her maturity is really sweet. I like the part where she tells Eleanor, I could have had good qualities. I could have been like you. I think that's really sweet and moving. I could moving. have been somebody. I could have been a contender. I could have been a contender. Yeah. He said some, it was on Paducah Street or whatever he says. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Marianne is the heroine. And the, the little paragraph at the end about how she was the absolute last person to realize that Colonel Brandon was interested in her after everyone. Real, I, I, Marianne, I'm team Marianne. I love her. Sweet. Although Eleanor Dashwood is not a first person narrator, most of the story is told through her eyes and thoughts. True. Do you think Austin agrees with oh. Eleanor's viewpoint? Oh, come on. No. Yeah, Eleanor. What a- What an idiot. What an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Who would ever agree with her? Yeah. The whole novel. I, I think Austin loved to write novels from viewpoints that she completely disagreed with. Yeah. And just leave them that way. And to be fair, Jake, Emma is... Oh, wait. You said leave them. Yeah. Okay. You win. Yeah. Uh, what she, is your... was, she was two centuries ahead of her time. What is your opinion of Marianne at the beginning and then at the end of the novel? At the beginning, she kind of sucks. She's and a at brat. the end, she's kind of awesome. At the beginning, she's sensibility. And by the end, she's sense. <laughs> Brandon, I couldn't have said it better if I was brain dead. What qualities does Marion find appealing in Willoughby? He is all sensibility. He'd be hot. He's charming. He's got those. He's got those awesome sideburns. Oh yeah. And he and he can sing and he he gets he the rocks poetry a pair of and the, he can talk about the landscapes with passion and. I feel like. In like seven hours time. Kind of funny though. And he's just like putting it on like, that's how I feel. I don't know if you guys. Nope. Compare. (laughs) You got me. Compare Marianne's. (laughs) I am the true literary genius here. Compare Marianne's initial impression of Colonel Brandon. (sighs) To what? To her impression of Willoughby. Oh. She thinks Willoughby's hot. She thinks Brandon's ugly and stupid and old. and stupid and incapable of love. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Austin's parody of the cult of sensibility is primarily embodied in Marianne. Uh What? What mistakes does Marianne make in being guided by the tenets of sensibility? She almost dies. (laughs) (laughs) She goes head over heels for, she misjudges Colonel Brandon. She goes head over heels for total loser. Jerk face, yeah. Almost wrecks her life and yeah, then almost dies because of it. How does it affect her judgment of Eleanor? She is... Pretty nasty to Eleanor at a couple points and pretty harsh. And then she apologizes and sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I do really like this book, folks. How and why does Marion become... Okay, I'm skipping that one. That's dumb. How does she become ill? She went out in the rain. Mm-hmm. As I say, Austin loved her ladies getting sick in the rain. Just caught in rain, the rain. Rain sickness. Caught yeah. I do imagine Jane Austen probably got really sick in the rain or knew somebody who died of rain or <laughs> something. Because... It figures in her plots. Or maybe it was just one of those really convenient things that shows up in every plot. Yeah, of... Everybody's always believed that going out in the rain will make you sick. Does it, Jake? No. I go out there all the time and I ain't never gotten sick. You've never gotten sick? Wow. Yeah, are are you mean, a superhero? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that. If you get Bruce hypothermia or, Precisely. you know, you, I guess could compromise your immune system, make yourself a little bit more vulnerable, but... I read a story of someone who was walking in the rain and stepped in a puddle and then a electrical line broke and came down and swung into the puddle and electrocuted them to death. Yeah, they didn't have those back then, though. You make a fair point. It has been said that since... Uh, boo. Uh, come boo. On, come on. All right, fine. It has been said that Sense and Sensibility is a novel full of secrets. Identify a few of the secrets. Nope. Go ahead. <laughs> I told you. Continue. <laughs> How was the secret engagement viewed in Austin's era? It has been said. By who? <laughs> who felt the need to say that? <laughs> well, society. you see when Eleanor kept the secret with, uh, and then Lucy had her secret, and then it was... It has been said that the... Sense and Sensibility is about three sisters. All right, question 13 of 22. We're, we're not even rounding the host. What do you think of Edward? Skip it. He's a good guy. Like oh, good. It. I'm glad. Will Skip Edward it. make a good clergyman? Yep. 
I think he will. Okay, this is interesting. How does he compare to Austin's other clergymen? Edmund Bertram, Mr. Elton, and Mr. Collins. Edmund, awesome. Edmund's the the best. He's the closest. Edward would be the second. Mr. Elton, who's he? Bertram. Mr. Elton is from... uh... Edmund is Fanny's husband. He's awesome. Right, yeah. Is Mr. Um, Elton from Emma? Yes, and he's a jerk. Elton and Collins, not so good. Yeah. I'm going to say... She splits the difference. I'm going to rank them Edmund, Edward, Elton... No, 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 Collins, Elton. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure Elton's just a jerk. Good ranking. I, I think so. Yeah. Isn't Elton the guy that? No, is he the guy that proposes to Emma actually, and then marries some strumpet? Oh yeah. That's Mr. Elton, right? Yeah. He's like the first person to a. She thinks he he's gonna propose to Harriet, and then he proposes to her, and it's hilarious and interesting and awkward. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but he's definitely even worse than Collins, I think. I think, in our, so. I think you're right, yeah. At least according to the bookening ranking. Where we would, give, we, would... If we're going to give 3% sympathy to Collins, then that's more than we. I think we'd give it to Elton. Do Eleanor and Edward ever show emotion? No. They're robots. Exactly. This is a sci-fi novel, actually. People <laughs> <laughs> may not have realized that. We went this whole episode without mentioning that. Yeah, we, we should have talked about the... <laughs> Themes of why, ba- why, why in context did you not bring up H.G. Wells? I don't understand. I don't know, yeah. guys. Sorry. How does Jane Austen use money? Thy name is Brandon. <laughs> My name is Brandon. <laughs> he sounds more disgusted every time Jake plays it. Okay, I'm skipping that one. What is the opi- what is your opinion of the mothers in the novel? I, I don't know. Uh, Mrs. Dashwood is pretty okay. She's sympathetic. I mean, she's pretty. She's, uh, she's a good mom. She's she, silly, but she takes. You know, she, like a good mom, she's all in on her daughters, and she takes their part in everything. And I think it's sweet when she transfer, like she's been Team Willoughby, and then she finds out that it's Brandon, and, and she was never Team Willoughby. You know, Willoughby's a jerk, and <laughs> Brandon, yay! That's very momish and yeah, very real. It's and very, sweet. very momish. Yeah, some think critics think that Austen, in a rare mistake, forgot about the youngest Dashwood sister, Margaret, when she revised the novel from her earliest draft. Eleanor and Marianne. What? Does Margaret play any role in the plot or the development of other characters? Eh, she's kind of a brat so at some point early on, like in Act 1 or early Act 2. She's not, I mean... I don't think it's dumb. That she, I don't think she's like a mistake. She's not a mistake. She's young and not one of the essential figures. Yeah, she's... Half the book it takes place in London where she's not there. Like, what the heck? Then why include the character, Jake? I guess that's, that's Because what. families are families and it's... Oh, come on. Yeah, it's fine. I, I want to say having someone who is going to become Marianne without any interference, you know, if, if the fates don't intervene, is an interesting thing to play with. Scholars believe that Sense and Sensibility was first written in, I never know how to say this word, epistolary? Epistolary. Epistolary. In epistolary form. There are 26 references to letters in the novel. When and why does Austin quote a full letter instead of merely reporting that a letter was sent or received? Don't remember. Don't care. It, it, she gets Willoughby's letter. Right. And then we get to see some of the letters that Marianne wrote to Willoughby. It's good. It's a reveal moment. As it always is in Austin. Letter yeah. comes, it's going to contain a crucial plot turn, usually. Yep. With all kinds of explanations for why. Do you think the ending is contrived? Is Robert Ferrer's marriage to Lucy credible? You know what I think? No novel's happy ending is ever contrived. It yeah, just right. happens. It just happens. Yeah. Like Tolkien didn't know that Gollum was going to bite his finger off and then fall in the lava. No, and he had no idea the eagles were going to show up and rescue them and take him out of there. Like it just happened. It just happened. It's just the way it had to be. So I don't know why we would even ask that question. Uh, to answer the question a little bit more seriously, I think obviously she has to get rid of Edward's engagement. And I thought it was, I thought of all the choices that she had, that was a fun one. Nobody died. It was fun that the mom didn't die. It was fun that, I mean, she had a limited number of options and I thought that that was kind of a fun option. I don't that, know. Yeah, it was pretty, it was fun, all things considered. Is it a fairy tale ending? Yeah, sure. Yep. Who cares? It sure is. In Do real you, life, probably Eleanor does not end up with Edward, but Marianne does end up with Colonel Brandon. Yeah, well, that's the next question. Do you find Marianne's decision to marry Colonel Brandon yep. to be plausible? Be a 100%. Plausible? I think exactly the way she describes it. Everybody was all in on it. And what could Marianne do but... Wake up to reality. Yeah. The sweet thing that she says about Marianne being someone who never loved by half and 
after a while was all in on Colonel Brandon and his happiness was her happiness. Seen that play out a million times. Yep. Very realistic. Very insightful. Yay. In the end, does sense triumph over sensibility or is Austin sympathetic to both perspectives? Oh, please. Brandon, you're writing on a cup right now. That's how Yeah, that's how much in invested I am. Uh, sense wins. <laughs> sense V sensibility. Dawn of justice. That's right. <laughs> what does but each... they both sense- have the same mother. Mm, that's deep, man. Yeah. That's almost like we're back to Socrates there. <laughs> their sense and their sensibility, but both come from the same... Frailty, mother. thy name is Brandon. Well, keep, going. keep going. Keep going, Nate. I mean... Oh, how many more of these do we have? Does she throw any bones to sensibility? That is an interesting question. There's that section I'm thinking of where the mom didn't even realize that Eleanor was suffering and nobody realizes that Eleanor is suffering. Eleanor loses it finally on when Edward comes and gives the news. Yeah. Well, first she loses it on, on Marianne when Marianne's like, why didn't you tell me? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I had to bear it all inside me. And if I didn't have to do that, then I'm sure I could have given you proof enough of my uh, of my heartbreak, but then yeah, when Edward shows up and she just loses it, that's a pretty great moment. In the it's movie, a really by the way. great moment in the movie. Yeah, I that's what's actually fresh in my mind. I I should not watch the movie right before coming to a recording because it clouds the memory of the book. But but the book it doesn't let them be in the same room. I think she leaves the room and does the same thing in the book, which is probably more realistic. But yeah. the movies, it's a great movie m- movie moment, probably the moment of that movie yeah, she actually loses it right which there. when she loses it and emma thompson's a good actress yeah she's great all right and then rose i think it is funny actually the casting that's for someone who's most famous for playing marianne as the heroine of all awesomeness which is to say for playing rose and titanic, titanic yeah which is a movie that celebrates it's like sensibility lydia, lydia ariel right like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they casted her as the person who learns the opposite lesson. Yeah. I fell in love with a guy and I feel like I really should be in love and I feel a lot of feelings and so we're going to have sex in a car. And He's, my whole life is going to be dominated by this 24-hour experience. I'm going to throw away my mom's advice and anyone in authority and I'm just going to do what I want and... I'm going to go ride horses and... Yeah. And my heart will go on. I'll throw the heart of the ocean back into the heart of the ocean and... Yeah. Worth a lot of money. That is a sensibility move right there. Nobody yeah. of sense throws away the heart of the ocean for yep. crying out loud. Always hated that. Bonus question. <laughs> this is a lame question to end on. How old is Mrs. Henry Dashwood at the beginning of the novel? Uh, that's a Mrs. Carver question, and I refuse to answer it. Uh, Brandon, you know? Uh, no. You want to take a guess? No, it's a Mrs. McDonald. 42. Um, lower. 38. Higher. Oh, wow, 40. <laughs> Jake, you got it. Brandon Thanks. is, hey, let's hear the quote again because I think Brandon <laughs> deserves it after that. <laughs> Dummy. I was, I was two <laughs> years <laughs> off on either end. That is Brandon. <laughs> Frailty, that name is Brandon. Caw, caw, caw. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Brandon. I'm now donors. Frailty, thy name is. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Brandon. All right, Jake, you got Brandon. more compliments for us? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, boy. All right. Hey, uh, how many um, skeleton heads out of seven do you give this novel? <laughs> seven skeleton heads. Seven. Yeah, it's great. I mean... Minus one crossbone. <laughs> minus one crossbone, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think talking about Lesser Austin is like talking about Lesser... It's like, Rubber Soul's not as good as, you know, Revolver. It's, it's like that kind of thing. Like, you're comparing greatness to greatness. It's like, Baby Hit Me One More Time is not as good as... Oh, Oops, shut up. I did it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, come on. Hey, you're the one that... <laughs> it's not easy to think and say things all the time. And yet you're the only person in this room that's paid to do that. That's true. You draw something with salary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're paid to think and say things. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> what do you do if not Wait, think and say things? <laughs> listen, thinking and saying things is hard, as you just established, and I just had a moment, okay? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And the thing about pastors is they never think or say anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> think about people that teach and do things that Brandon does. They, Brandon's never thought or said anything. I don't ever think. I make it a, it's a principle of mine. Not to think. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon is pure sensibility. That's right. Everything I say is just raw emotion. <laughs> raw. <laughs> raw emotion. Yeah. All right. 
how do I do this? I don't just want to give, uh, I don't know. All right, fine. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. You're gorgeous. Yeah, you are. And that's the least interesting thing about you, Ooh, too. Oh, baby. Let's go to our <laughs> new guy, Cold Steel Cody. Cold Steel Cody. You're so thoughtful. The Artful Anthony Dodger. Artful Anthony Dodger. Your creative potential seems limitless. Seems. Seems being the operative word there. Yeah. Tyler, the keeper of eternal darkness, and Laura, the keeper of eternal light. What he said. You're the coolest person I know, and I consider myself bet friends with all, like, all celebrities. Bet so, friends? <laughs> is what it says, bet friends, like, with, like, all celebrities, so. I feel like that's a typo. <laughs> Little Anthony's Cigar Store. <laughs> I heard a funny joke about a typo the other day. Let's hear it. A, um, how did it go? <laughs> a priest yeah. and a pastor and a rabbit walked into a bar. And the rabbit said, guys, I think I'm a typo. Yeah. Get it? I, I saw that joke too. It was hilarious. I haven't seen that joke before. Keep going. <laughs> Sweet Jamie Sunshine. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. You're, we skipped Anthony's, but that's okay. You're both irresistible when you blush. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I don't know that I'm comfortable with that, but fine. The Immortal Chelsea E. The Immortal Chelsea E. Actions speak louder than words, and yours tell an incredible story. Ooh, yeah. Somehow, you make time stop and fly at the same time. Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley. Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley. When you make up your mind about something, nothing stands in your way. Nothing. Stands in your way. Eric and Catherine, the Camp Champ Kings. Those are the Champ Camp who Kings. Who are warm and love bees. They're loving those warm bees. <laughs> Man, you seem to really know who you are. You do. We've done almost like 200 you of really these do episodes. Seem that way. I wish I could remember how on earth we came up with the Camp Champ Kings who are warm and love bees, but I love well, none of us <laughs> remember. <laughs> uh, Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley. Any team would be lucky to have you on it. Timothy the Rider at Dawn. Timothy the Rider at Dawn. In high school, I bet you were voted most likely to keep being awesome. I bet you were. <laughs> Probably. Eric, Eric, no, I'm sorry. Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. I bet you do your crossword puzzles in ink. Whoa, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of crossed out ink things on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can still be wrong. Yeah. J and, uh, no, sorry. Yeah. J, J, J of rock and roll. J of rock and roll. <laughs> Babies and small animals. I have to try to Probably love you. Probably. Sakis master. Sakis master. If you were a scented candle, they'd call it perfectly imperfect and it would smell like summer. J of rock and ruin. Day of Wreck and Ruin. There's Ordinary, and then there's you. David's Mighty Man Trucking. David's Mighty Man Trucking. You're someone's reason to smile. Return of the Jedediah. Return of the Jedediah. You're even better than a unicorn, because you're real. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. Jill and Jill and Little Baby Max. How do you keep being so funny and making everyone laugh? I don't know, Jake. Now, where's their compliment? <laughs> <laughs> Queen Gangeta. Queen Gangeta. You have a good head on your shoulders. I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For all we know, they do. You have a good head on your shoulders. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Did I say John and Dylan? No. You have a head on your shoulders. That's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Jean and Jill and little baby Matt. No, we already said them. Oh, sorry. I think we've said a couple of things yeah. twice. <laughs> Come Jane, on, Nathan, speed it up. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese, and also C.S. Lewis. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese, and also C.S. Lewis. Including till we have faces. Including till we have faces. Has <laughs> anyone ever told you that you have great posture? You guys do. <laughs> we've met you guys. We can attest to the posture. <laughs> True. All right. I'm having trouble keeping track here, so I'm going to just be more normal. Queen Kagetta. We already we said it. That. All right. Okay. Midnight Ninja Ellen. Midnight Ninja Ellen. The way you treasure your loved ones is incredible. It is truly incredible. It is incredible. Leopard Tank Thomas. Leopard Tank Thomas. <laughs> You're really something special. Rachel. Rachel. 
You're a gift to those around you. Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Anthony, who's cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Anthony, who hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Six-pack Zack with a mean attack and Catherine with a knack for laying down the smack. Six-pack Zack with the mean attack and Catherine with the knack for laying down the smack. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. The fair and fragrant maiden Chloe. The fair and fragrant maiden Chloe. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Merchy. Merchy. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Noah Constrictor. Noah Constrictor. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. Lavender's green, Dylan and Lavender's blues. Lavender's green, Dylan and I love you too. Professor and Lady X. Professor and Lady X. Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. Betty and Danny Tiberius. DJ Summer G. Danny the Dude. Danny the Dude. Ryan the Red Avenger and Judas of the Ladies of Justice. Maya. Nathan, not me. Nathan, not Nathan. Jeremy, Jeremy Dark Hooded Lord of Death. Hooded Lord of Death. Console Prime Adam. Console Prime Adam. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. <laughs> Jay and Katie, who are cold in love, cheese. I already said him. Frailty, thy name oh, we're done is then. Brandon. We'll see you guys. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash the booking. See if we can do it perfectly. Frailty, thy, Frailty, thy name, name is, is Brandon. Brandon. Frailty, Frailty, thy name is Brandon. 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 Frailty, thy name is Brandon.